So most people stumble with regard to theft and a minority of them with regard to illicit relationships. So let's, uh, before we get to the illicit relationships, let's talk about um, the theft thing and what you get out of that. A deceitful person is called fire pejoratives, corrupt, hated, disgusting, banned, and an abomination. I think that uh, that was a sense of the, the first girl I asked about it in date, but it got better. It got better after. So, uh, so what's the deal? I thought it was interesting that, like, he, um, I like the fact that he tried to tell you what the evil inclination would say on these. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very helpful because, I mean, I don't know if all of them have crossed my own mind before, but definitely, like, spin-offs of them have, you know, I mean, it's like, and one of the big ones, I think, is definitely something like, you know, like, and the stealing thing, you know, like, almost like business is different, because mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that Paul's point in Colossians is he says that we're supposed to do everything as unto the Lord and not unto men, not, not as men-pleasers, mm-hmm. because I think it's very easy, especially when you work in, like, a corporate environment with cubicles and everything, you're looking at your neighbor surfing on Facebook or people are talking in the hallway or, you know, whatever else. It's very easy to think, well, I don't do that. So if I kill, like, five minutes during the day, you know, give my brain a break, whatever else, that's not, like, nothing compared to, you know, it's like I'm only taking what they're already assuming I'm taking. I'm not even taking that. Whereas his argument was trying to say, like, the extreme. And he was like, like, you know, yeah, you cut down Brick on Amazon. You you say only the first stanza of the Shema, which is actually an enormously big deal because in the um, in Mariv, you own you um, you are expected to say all three stanzas. You just have to say all three. You just have to have to do it while not working. Well, okay, but and I guess the point that I was saying though is like they were trying to create like that was just like I um, the setting aside that time was like so crucial there because um, like in like I say in Mariv you can. Um, if you say all three stanzas in Mari, then you only have to say one when you go to bed, but otherwise you have to say all three. So it's like, it was kind of a big deal that, however the exemption worked, but the fact that they highlighted that was important. So, I felt like, who after reading this chapter? Yeah, yeah like basically, like, if you're on the clock, you, you're not focusing on anything it's, else. It's not your time anymore. Exactly. You're on his clock? Yeah. Not your time. You're not you don't have the right. You're not paid to, you know, check your Facebook. You're not paid I, to. I know a lot of businessmen who will not hire professing evangelical Christians for just that reason. They spend all their time sharing their faith with other people that they rarely get any work done. <laughs> what sad. a sad commentary. Treasures in heaven. That's true. Should I see about my father's on business? <laughs> father's business. So I, I thought it was pretty. Uh, you can only save souls. Did you did you read through the thing with uh, with the the businessman? Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. got? What's he got? Seeds or grain or something? Yeah. Any yeah, particular fruit that he's selling? Yeah, it's prohibited even to deceive a non-Jew. Phew. Mm-hmm. Good. <clears throat> Each of you shall not aggrieve his fellow. Sellers may not spruce up old utensils to make them look new. Well, and his point at the end, because that was a little confusing to me. Yeah. I didn't understand what yeah. happened, but then at the end he kind of clarified it by saying it's fine to show 
the good, the valuable parts of all the stuff, but the deceit is when we're trying to hide the bad stuff, the defects, yeah. hide the bad stuff, yeah. so that the bad the right. deceitful. But he, he also said later that, uh, when he was talking about you can't get out like, you know, fruit or nuts to children and make them come into your shop. Right. Okay, you can do that, but only if your competitor is also doing it. That's right. That's right. And only you guys have started doing it at the same time. <laughs> That's right. And you agree that so it's... So that actually made me think about the Diamond District in New York. I was like, okay, so why are you going to move up here if, you know, you, you could potentially be taking your neighbor's business. If they're going to buy from you, that means they're not buying from someone else. You know, it's about diminishing his profits. Yeah, I don't think he got so far as to say that you couldn't do your own business. Yeah. But um, how many of you have ever sold a car or a gun or something like that? Have you have you gone? I missed, I missed the category that you're looking for. Is it like greater than four hundred fifty dollars? Anything about uh, how about that? Have you sold anything? Have you sold your soul? <laughs> where, <laughs> you, where what have you sold for the highest dollar? How much? So much. Wow. So the question is, <laughs> have, did you practice, and you know, this was in the past, not trying to bring it up or anything, but uh, um, did you, how, how, how did you, and, and will it change now, having read this, how you would do that now? Would you, you know, say, you know, uh, the trigger sticks a little bit in this guy, and that's why I'm selling, because I hate you. I, I before when I was 18, I sold a Jeep to a to a guy, and Rukashen, I told him that I was like, hey man, like two weeks ago, all my power doors like stopped working. I told him ahead. I told him all that ahead of time before anything, and he was like, oh, thank you so much. Good for you. Huh? That's an interesting question. I wonder how that works. Like, because I was on I sold my recent car. Well, sold is the wrong word. I traded in my last car. Mm-hmm. Um, he was giving me issues. And I got an estimate from CarMax. And the way that their system basically works is you get the guy the keys, he does his own deal for half an hour, and he comes back and he tells you what he thinks the car's worth. I, I didn't volunteer any information, but I figured if he cares, he'll find it. And I mean, I don't know, that's an interesting question if that's enough, yeah. or if that's like, ah. For sure. Well, this is a car being like well, yeah, so, and they're, and they're going to burn in hell anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we just read. Which is another way of saying that. Proverbs always says, Proverbs says the heir and the benefit of the other. Well, it's, it, it's interesting that Proverbs talks about the buyer and the seller, how the buyer is walking out and saying, oh, it's not worth it. I, I was a terrible. I, well, I'm going to overpay you. But when he walks away, he's like, I got such an awesome deal. Mm-hmm. And the seller is like, can't possibly sell it for that. Well, are you kidding me? I gotta feed my kids. I gotta get some money. And when he walks away, he's like, I just made a killing. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily like a moral description as much as it's simply saying that's the way that it is. So it's like you should recognize that that's what's happening. I get it. But I think in light of what we're reading here, we should be able to have that same outcome, even though we're brutally honest with yeah. the flaws of, it, of a, a product and trying to make the good stuff look as good as possible. Yeah, it's not talking about the perception of the parties in the sale or whatever. It's just that the you, actual... Re- what did you do? What did you do yeah. and did you follow it? Because um, one person's trash is another person's treasure. Yeah. So. I, just, uh, I just traded in a handgun at the uh, pawn shop. It's the first time I've ever done that. And uh, I like this gun. 
but I just don't like to shoot it because it's so small in my hand. So I walked in and I said, uh, I understand that you have this uh, Smith & Wesson 9mm revolver. I'd like to buy it. No problem. He pulls it out. I said, I'd like to trade this for that. Well, the prices weren't even comparable on what the tags were saying, but they weren't pretty comparable with list price. His is used, mine is used. So he says, why are you selling? I, really, I said, I really don't like to shoot it. It just doesn't fit well in my hand. But it's it's a nail driver. Now I'm talking to a guy who knows guns. That's why you use the phrase nail driver. That's right. You want to use that with the person who only knows cars. That's right. So, so uh, he says, uh, how, many, how many rounds did you put through? I said, no, I don't know. Two boxes. 100 rounds. He opens up the gun and he looks at it and he goes, want to try again? And I said, no, it's 100 rounds and I only shot three of them. My nephew shot all the rest of them and it was that crummy Tula ammo made in Russia that leaves all the dirt. And I deliberately didn't clean the gun so that you would not. We came up with a very good price. I got my handgun. I feel really good about it. I think he feels really good about it. But reading this, I don't think I had any bad spots that I needed to try and gloss over other than it didn't fit my hand well. I don't know that I can go back through the rest of my life and say I've never glossed over the bad stuff. It's also in the bridge. Yeah, swampland, you know, all that <coughs> stuff. So. I don't know, maybe, did, did you guys determine that this is going to change the way you sell? I, or do you I, just I, think it's not, it's not for you? I think I'll look a little bit closer at what I've done. And in the past, I can't, I don't recall a time where I've blatantly misrepresented something right. by what I said. But right. what I omitted, that's is a different thing. And so I think I'll be a little bit more careful about yeah. revealing everything. Although I, windows, all stuff. Yeah, and I sold a lot of used cars over my life, but uh, recently, you know, it's been all, all the way. And I don't. I didn't omit anything. I was very straightforward with it. And of course, the price was there anyway. So that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to to work, like building quotes or whatever. I have to be very careful on what I say because when I build certain quotes, there's ability to add additional margins in there in order to make a living. Right, exactly. If you didn't do it... And profit then, is a good thing. Yeah, profit is a good thing and, and it's probably up to the beholder as to how good of a living the... I've been doing it long enough to know that you can end up working for free. So the margin has to be in there. So the way I, way, the way I represent it is I, I won't say that there's nowhere else it can come down. I just say this is the best price that I can I can offer. You. There you go. So and I it's not. Red, the sages don't have a problem at all with marking things up, except if it's a necessity. Like for example, oh, yeah. say if blanket. it's a blanket or specifically food that you're only allowed to mark it up one six of it's what it costs you, like some types of food, like necessity food. But people like the Ritz Carlton. What's that specific? Is that like 15%? I just got to make sure I'm good here. What's that? You know, like specifically, if you're like the Red Scroft, and you're, you want your part of your supply is people who demand that other people don't shop here. 
I mean, of course, you should too. To me, it's, it's if there's something wrong, if something is broken with it, and it can't perform the function. Do what it's supposed to do. You got to. I think the right thing to do is to disclose that. It's 7.30. It might apply to resonates and stuff as well. I thought about that. I was telling yourself a couple of weeks ago the portion was when Elazar comes to get Rebecca and Rashi says that Laban thinks it's Abraham because Elazar is just like Abraham. And so that's why he greets him like Blessed of Hashem or something like that. And then the very first thing Elzar says when he sits down at the dinner table is, I'm Abraham's servant. And Rashi says, like this why every time you meet with somebody, you disclose the worst parts about yourself first to get it out. Because you don't have any relationship with someone. You're always showing okay, one face. So I'm wondering, yeah, like maybe if an interview, you don't want to leave out the one thing that makes you horrible. I had a terrible body. But I grew up after it. But to what Peter's saying, I've actually had to say this. What you're saying is still something bad in your ear. Because in programming, a lot of times, a lot of languages are similar. So, you know, if you've done a little bit of work with that, they expect you to do that. And programmers do it all the time. I've done some XML. I, you know, should know KML, if there's someone. Um, very similar to the same thing. They just do a lot of different things. But, you know, I found that, you know, sometimes that's, you know, that, that can be really bad because then they expect you to know all these things and they put you in a situation where you either do it. Sink or swim. Or, yeah, you sink or swim. So I've had, I've had times I'd be like, hey, I've done this, which is similar to this, but I've never done this. Just like, it's, I think it's a set an expectation. It's a wise yeah. way to start. It really is. Yeah. Well, I think. I think it's interesting, in most interviews that I've been in, well, it's been a little while for Hashem, but the last ones that I was in, they always ask you, what's, what's, you what's your weakness? Or I care to name a situation, you. name a situation I'm where you you, uh, you failed, or and how did you fix it, or you know whatever, what did you learn from it? And so, I mean, most interviewers are going to give you the opportunity sure. to do that. But I think to Pete's point, starting out that way would be. I'm not seeing any practicality in that whatsoever. Like, I, can't <laughs> even, I can't even picture like what that would even look like. I just imagine you that you I'm, I'm Greg Bartos, and like, let me tell you all the things that are wrong with me. <laughs> That's That's exactly what I did. It sounds like, like you're walking into your therapist and every time I've got a job. I walk in there, they've got the resume. Well, tell me about yourself. Well, you want to hear the good or the bad? There's bad? Of course there's bad. Of course there's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to be very opinionated. Those are terrible shoes. Let's talk about it. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing you get is like, yeah, you're in there. Yeah, I do outside work. Sure. But we do want to talk about what he wrote in the chapter, which had nothing to do with resumes or taking phone well, calls. It's, it's all about that concept. We're applying right, right. We read the chapter. Right. Theft. Theft. Good. Tied it together for being deceitful. Um, when Michael and I were in New York, we were hanging out. Oh, father's here. Yeah, yeah. We were hanging out with a lot of Jews. <laughs> we were hanging out with a lot of oh, Jews, no, So wow. as the trip progressed, our story after like day two got super on.
honest. Yeah. So we were in OR, like, oh, like, Shabbat.com, well, you guys just need a place to stay, Jews going in, like, yeah, just, just in town, you know. And, like, our relationships could only go to service level, because right. they were like, oh, you don't know the prayers, you don't sing Hebrew, you don't speak Hebrew, you don't read Hebrew. Oh, yeah, good about secular education. And then they were like, oh, we know about raising Jews in small towns. And I was like, I don't. I just know about small towns. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, at the end, like, at the end, we're like, um, Gentile, through and through, don't speak Hebrew, grew up in Christianity. But we read the Torah in Christianity. Like, that was, and our relationships got so much deeper with people. Praise God, the whole church. Honesty is always the best policy, for sure. Theft from a common man is a more severe sin theft than stealing from the most high. Why is that? That was something. Has to do with the way you're deriving benefit from it? It has to do with treachery. In the case of theft from the common man, the verse mentions that theft's sin before his treachery, whereas in the case of the death of the temple treasury, it mentions his treasury before his sin. So, the, uh, the, I think I got from this that the focus here needs to really be on what we're doing here with our fellow man. Exactly right. So, if this relationship is good, it ought to drive this relationship being just as equally good and so forth. So, let's say. It's like Jews are already in the world to come, so they're not trying to like, get saved. It's all about beans. Right. Everything's focused on beans. Why? Because that's just, like, you're already in, you're already quote unquote saved just simply by being Jewish. It's how big your house is. It tells you how big your house is. Connection to Hashem. I had a question, because uh, you talked about several things here, the different types of theft. And, and the one that I, you know, got me thinking the most was time. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So, so, here's so you, you were late to class, right? Ha, yeah. And now Lord has uh, <laughs> chastised me for that. Okay. But <laughs> my question, um, Thomas, I need if you want to take that. That's right. Um, be here for three hours. It has to do with this specific example, which is work. And, you know, I have a salary job. I'm paid to work eight hours every day. Okay. And uh, but the thing about it is, is, my work isn't so much based on time as it is about, you know, did I get, I have this to do today, did I get this task? I have tasks, I have, to, I have a, and some tasks span days, some only take one day, some only take half a day. Right. And sometimes I find myself either in a situation where I've finished all the tasks I've, I've been assigned, I've gone to my supervisor, I have no more tasks, and I have the rest of the day. I, I literally had nothing more to do. So, am I stealing time by then not continuing to work? Because I have nothing to do. And if you went to the supervisor and said, okay, the sec- second half of that is sometimes um, it's the other side. I have way too much work to do. And I have to work more than the eight hours that I'm paid to work. salary. And I'm on salary, so I don't get paid for that extra time that I work. So, is, is he not saying for me, or is is it my responsibility? That's part of the deal. Or are you making a salary? Yeah, because that's actually all these My my boss is really easy, and they basically just sort of say that like they, you know, some days you'll leave early, and some days you will stay late, and in the end it'll basically all even out. You know, okay. we hired you because there's enough work to do. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that, and I kind of appreciate that because I think overall that is kind of true. It's like I have days where like I, you know, she fluctuates a lot. To me, the thing that was killing me though was, was the little mini lapses in time. You know, I'm working on something and all of a sudden I'm thinking, what are we having for dinner tonight? You know, and then the half skips away, and it's not like I sat there and like daydream for half an hour, but it's like, I was like, oh wait, I was. And that was like basically stealing. Like I, I did, I used that time for me. Stealing, use the time for me and not for work. That's really hard. And I don't know what to do about like having done that. What to do about that? Stop doing that. Well, right. But I mean, I mean, is there like a re- um, recompense that's supposed to be necessary there, or is it uh, like the total love to get back cash? So can we kind of talk about that a little bit too? Because like. It, even if it's about something else, like I might get an urgent phone call from my wife, like throughout the day, or you know there might be like a moment that I'm walking in the hall and see someone that's completely unrelated to my job, and they ask me a question. Like it's way more than just like the what am I having for dinner for a minute mm-hmm. and a half. So we like I I would like to hear like what what we are to do about that because the justification I've had in my head has kind of been like the task thing. Like I, keep, I think in my head, like my my boss has an expectation at the end of the day that I'm going to accomplish a certain amount of things while I'm at work, and I do. And then sometimes I can go early because she's like, "Oh, you wrapped up everything." Like, like I told you on Fridays, she's like, "If you wrap up everything by four, head out. You're good to go." You know, and so that's like my boss's approval, and there's been working out in that. But I guess I've always justified like those minutes of like. Oh, this this like personal email came in with something that's really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna take five minutes to read this. Other people might take five minutes to go get a drink of water or a soda from the machine, but you know what I mean. And I've always yeah, rationalized in my head you're that. Right. The fact that they take five minutes to go get a drink of water is completely irrelevant, right? Well, yeah. I mean, why would you be reading a personal email on his time? As I said, because I'm accomplishing the work on his time. You know what I mean? Exactly. Now, I, I, can, I can tell you just one real quick. If uh, I, I may be different than you guys, but I, I've like always been in management, at least for the past 30 years. So my tasks are making sure that everybody else gets their tasks done. So I'm the guy just tapping somebody on the shoulder and saying, "I realize it's going to be a great movie when it when it comes out, but watching the trailer right now is probably a lunch thing." Right? That's my job. Um, I'm stick with the resume. When I've ever sat down to get a job, I made it abundantly clear, or in the past made it abundantly clear, where my priorities lie. I am a company man, and I will work my head off. You just won't find somebody that's going to work harder than me. But my family comes ahead of this job, and always will. And you don't want to hire me unless you understand that. If my wife calls, she's stranded somewhere. I'm gone. If you can't deal with that, that's fine. I just want to make it clear right up front. If you know we've got all this terrible stuff to go through and everybody's got to stay late or work the weekend or whatever it may be, and we've got stuff planned, I'm not going to be the guy. So I've made that clear on the front end. So my employer already has an expectation of my responses. So to me, I mean, especially if you're a people person, 
you're walking down the hall getting the coffee that your employer is providing and he understands that you're going to be going down there to get coffee and whatnot. If somebody wants to stop and find out about how you know old Sophia is now, whether or not she's walking and if she can recite the Shema backwards in Hebrew, you know, um, you know, she is doing great. I would love to sit down and chat with you about her, but I'm on the clock right now. Let's have lunch. But see, that's that's the, the justification I had because I'm not on the clock. But you are. On the clock. But okay, so well, I I think for me and your mileage probably. You know what's I'm sorry. So I'll give you the employer's perspective on the, on this. Okay. Yeah, as as uh, somebody that hired, we doubled the size of our headcount this year, and we're going to probably double the size of our headcount again next year. So. Uh, this, so this is a totally unique perspective on employers, right? Because I know anybody else who doesn't do you. Well, I don't. I don't know if it's unique, but it's just it's just my perspective, and it's the you know. So first of all. Um, when we hire somebody, uh, first of all, we only hire the best, right? So, but when we hire somebody, we make it very clear, and we, and we don't have anybody on. All of our employees are solid because I don't want to. I don't want to have to sit there and have to track hours and you know. Who's got time for that, right? So the expectation is, I'm paying you, in most cases, an above market wage because you've already, you know, you've already exhibited skills and other things that um, that are exceptional. So I'm paying pretty a, a handsome penny for that, and um, and you're on salary. Nobody's. Nobody's clocking, nobody's you know, looking to see when you clock in and when you clock out. You have a job to do, you're a professional, you get it done. I don't care how you get it done, just get it done. And you know, and if that means you know, and, and that part of that part of doing your job means that, you know, um, you are able to work with other folks in the company to accomplish whatever needs to be accomplished. So you know, if you need to work um, from seven to four because you got to pick up your kids after school or whatever, I don't care. As long as your job's getting done, and as long as you are, you know, available when you need to be available with, for other people in the company, so that any collaboration that needs to take place takes place. And and I'm not going to sit there and. Monitor whether you're. I mean, if you're if you're doing lots of personal stuff, um, you know if you're abusing the the relationship. Um, and if you don't know that, then eventually that's going to catch up with you, and you're you're probably not going to be working for me anymore, right? But I'm not going to sit there and, and micromanage and babysit people. I'm going to have a high expectation. I'm going to communicate clearly what your job is and what needs to be done. I'm going to expect you to do it um, with excellence. And you're going to get paid handsomely to do it. And I'm not going to micromanage. I'm not, I'm not there to babysit people. And we don't have we don't have a we have unlimited vacation. I'm all for. Take as much time off as you need. 
as long as your job's getting done. I, I don't. I, like I said, this is totally unique as far as I've ever heard. So have you have you had to jack somebody up and say, hey, it's not happening? Nope, we have not had anybody abuse it. There's there's one individual right now that I've had just a couple little things that I'm kind of just watching them, um, but other than that, no, no issue. Because I think most people, you know, if you're hiring the best and, and brightest, you know, then most of them are have you know they're driven people themselves, yeah, work and they and and they want to succeed, and and you know they want to be part of a team and all that, and they appreciate the fact that you trust them, right? Um, and so most people are not gonna. I mean, most people, I think, are gonna try to honor that. And when there's someone that doesn't, yeah, yeah. fancy. So I mean, so. What this, to me, says is, as those of us who are trying to progress through these stages, we should be super um, introspective of our own actions, right? To me, part of the job, part of working on a team, is building interpersonal relationships, which means getting to know a little bit about his family is actually a good thing for the company because it means there's some interpersonal relationship that relationship there, which means he and I can work better, yeah. you know, etc. So there's that can actually be productive, not counterproductive. And again, if somebody is um, abusing that, it becomes obvious at some point, yeah. you know, and uh, and deal with it. Um, one thing that uh, that I tend to do most of the time, I've been particularly more careful about it lately, than <laughs> um, been trying, like, if I get a text from my wife or something at, like, 10 a.m. or something, and it's like, well, it's not lunchtime, but, you know, she has a question about something, and I hate making people wait. I hate waiting. So when I have a question, I usually like an answer. And it doesn't take that long, you know, especially if I'm already distracted, if I've already got, like, if I'm just going from one thing and work to another, or whatever the case would be. So I, I usually respond, and then I'll just, like, scrape a minute or two off my lunch break or whatever, you know. So that I'm trying to give my employer the amount of time they expect that they're giving me, that I'm working. Even maybe it's not in the same, like, block, per se. That's part of the idea. I don't know. That could be a little bit manipulative, because obviously if, I'm in, if I interrupt work, productivity goes down. But, um, I mean, that's just been kind of how I handle it so far. So my question is... Does it matter what your supervisor is like at all? Because the book did not make it clear that you have an understanding with your supervisor or, or any of that. It sounded like no matter how much time someone hires you for, your entire day is given to that person. So my question is like, does is a supervisor and their style of management? Because your style that you just described is exactly the style of mine. She's basically like, hey, I have kids too. Like, if you need to do anything at all, pick up and go. I trust that you're going to get things done. Like, she's super flexible about that kind of thing and promotes in interpersonal stuff, comes out, tells stories. We all tell stories for like 15 minutes throughout the day and then, all right, back to work. You know what I mean? So it's really relaxed, loose kind of atmosphere. But I'm not getting from the book that that matters at all, that it's really more of this is the way that it is. Like, 
you're going to work 100% of the time, and there's not going to be a single, I mean, didn't it say not even a moment for saying the very hot zone? Right. Or hello. To, this one, this to, a, to a great sage, like that. That sounded so extreme. So I just wanted to ask, like, what, which, which side? Well, I think what would she do? I think the issue is, is that it's, it's not. It, he gives an example of time, but there's, there's two different categories here. One is your time. You're hired for time, but others is you're hired for a job, task. So you drive yourself to that degree because it's, it's pretty strict when it comes to the task situation, until the task is done. You've met expectations, then, then your time is yours, in my, is my opinion. But then, when it comes to hours, that, that's a different deal. And I look at situations where you're managing a call center or whatever, and there's constant work going on all the time. Um, ship work. Ship work, stuff ship like that. Work. Where I, think the, I think the bottom line mm-hmm. that I get out of this was I need to be so far above and beyond reproach with regard to my work ethic that I'm bringing glory to my chef. Sure, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I, and that's the bottom line. And I think it's important that relativism to other employees does not matter. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's um, she's like a big <coughs> testimony, but um, a girl that I outsource a lot of things to India. Sent me a bill recently, and she was so righteous. She had every down to the second. I, I never monitor anything. I always just like trust her for Um But she ended up using this like timetable thing or time clock where she like clicks the thing on her computer and it clicks starts. The and then clicks the she clicks it when she's done. And I was like, wow. Well, and I always like bonus her very big because she doesn't get paid much. But it was just like Ruka Shem, like she was. It was so amazing, mm. like how she honored me. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was incredible. So, stealing something. I don't know if we need to spend a lot of time on this, but <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of funny. If you steal something and you perform a mitzvah with it, Last days. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's intense. It's actually, you just turned into a That's unbelievable. Well, I love the example they gave us. If you think of stolen lulav, it's yeah. like <laughs> stealing some flowers. They're making collars. Yeah. A rock of blessing and blessing and Yeah. But actually, that fits because the Torah specifically, the Torah specifically says, you shall not bring in to the temple like waiters and a prostitute and that kind of thing. So it's like, the idea that you can't, that's actually, the irony is the, the, the priests who sold out Yeshua to Judas, he comes back with the money and they're like, they we can't, can't, take, can't take that, yeah. it's blood money. So it's like, um, you know, even even they got that concept down. <laughs> did, uh, did you guys get the, uh, the example from Job where he's like,
What's a picture? What does theft look like? The whole idea of what the theft is is just the sun on it. And that's, I think, the, the hardest thing is the time. Like, yeah. just even in anything, you know, like we tell our wives that we're going to do something for a certain amount of time and they're doing, taking care of a bunch of stuff just to give us that a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. Any time after that is, is basically stealing mm -hmm. from them, too. You know, you, it works with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've taken advantage of the ability to just text somebody, hey, I'm running five minutes behind, or I'll be there in 30 minutes behind when I thought I would be there, or whatever the case may be. We've, we've grown so accustomed to doing that that we're not really considering the other person on, on the other end. Sure. It's like, okay, that's five minutes of their time I'm wasting or essentially stealing from them that you, and, and the time it's, it's, I think, doubly important because that's something you can't give back to them. And I think um, with the time and then um, one of the things, the third um, Thing that he was talking, he was talking about like the, the three major things that everybody struggles with. You know, some people struggle with this, few people struggle with this, some with this, but all struggle with. Uh, we call it the dust of slander. Yeah, um, I think you know, especially with the time, and especially with with evil speech, it, it takes us back to the um, the first thing we studied, which was vigilance, because in order to avoid these things, we have to be super vigilant. Exactly. Checking the time. Yeah. Uh, especially for the middle one, which is illicit relations. Well, that's where we're going now, right? So, uh, the punishment for false measures is even more severe than the punishment for illicit relations. Hmm. I thought it was interesting. It, about the false measures, it said that you know that the merchant has should clean off oh, his clean off his measures every so often, yeah. and and that really got me thinking: like, how dirty can these measures get? Because I'm thinking like just dust. Right, and you know, it's just for for him to say that even you know just a little bit, like the the fine the, the minute amount of dust that accumulates on a measure is enough. It's dust is disgusting and abominable. Yeah. Playing around with the relations. Yeah, that's, here we go. Most people stumble with regard to theft. A minority of them with regard to illicit relationships. This reminded me so much of Yeshua, because in reading the Torah, it can be, especially if you don't read the Tanakh, and you just read the Torah, it can be very easy to argue that there's only, like, the only thing you could really do that'd be, like, really wrong would be to have, commit adultery. Like, I, you know, I, I just thought of uh, one of our former presidents when I read through this. What is? Right, because you can, and so, like, Yeshua, like, um, I mean, we get hints at other places, like in, in, in Leviticus it talks about not uncovering nakedness, which kind of brings up the idea of the sight. And then you know, Job hits on that, and then other passages um, kind of key on some of those types of things. But Yeshua really kicks it to the new level when he talks about that thinking of it is the same as doing it, which this guy, it, it, I thought it was so cool that, that um, here in the Sharm, he says the same thing, and Ralph Paul's arguing the same thing, that basically that it's just as bad. It's not like you can say, well, but it's not, it's, it's bad, but it's not that bad. He's like, well. I will at least hold her and not be guilty of a sin. I will hug her and yeah, not be guilty of a sin. I will kiss her and not be guilty of a sin. It all happened. 
I I never, uh, because of the wording, I had never thought of the Proverbs 15 passage, I think it's 1526, where it's like the thoughts, I think it's it's phrased, the thoughts of the wicked one are an abomination to God. And so you can, it's easy to brush over that and go, oh, good thing I'm righteous. But then he changed it around to be like, evil thoughts are an abomination. And it makes perfect sense that way. And that's what the Hebrew actually says. Yeah. That it makes perfect sense that way, and that that was very convicting because it's like, man, even you know, even outside of this particular topic, like even just like hateful thoughts, you know, and like all the other sins, just thinking about them are an abomination. All right, so let's let's walk through this quickly here, um, and I'll be guided by your responses. Uh, first, I would say uh, touch. Let's go through touch. Thank you. We had a whole long class on, on touch. I, I think this guy, he does make some interesting questions, though, because I have definitely come up with, like, the, I shake a woman's hand when I meet her. Um, and I also, like, on, on, on those rare occasions when you get, like, the southern grandma that sees you once a year, and she goes in for the hug, she hasn't seen you since you were Baptist. I usually just kind of like try to be as, as sideways as I possibly can, and you know, it's like because I don't know what I don't know family or family. I mean, like, well, I don't know if family really matters actually. Sister and mother. Well, but what about sister-in-law or sister and brother? Um, so then all the other categories. So like, if, but I'm just thinking like, like this happened when we were at the wedding on Saturday. There's a whole slew of people I knew in the Baptist church that I hadn't seen in ages. Every woman goes in for a hug. None of them are like, you know, stick, oh, maybe one just like I can But I mean, every other woman is That's like because they're in the church building. Right. If they were in Harris too, they wouldn't have done it. But they're in the church building, so they've got to demonstrate that Christian brotherly love. Something like that. Interesting enough, like at the Chabad house in Valentine, men and women were separated during the service, which is great. But then during Oneg, it's, it's like that church setting. There's a lot of, everyone's just co-mingling, everyone's touching and feeling, hugging, stuff like that, men, women, like, everything. Like, well, come on, do bring in all types, right? I did, it was, it was surprising to me. I guess I had incorrect expectations. The, but the, it, the Rob does that too, or just? No, definitely not. Yeah. He doesn't touch It's 8 o'clock. Yeah. Um, so. He's a... <laughs> <laughs> so where are you guys on this? Just, you know, give me your sense. I prefer not to touch women. Even handshakes, that would be the idea. Well, I thought, you know, you, uh, you presented, I thought, a very righteous act a couple of Shabbats ago, where there were two seats next to you, and Brock and Jenny were going to go sit down. And you wanted to make sure I knew when I seat them, you need to be next to Brock, not next to Jenny. Right. I think that's a great idea. So you were going to say Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm similar to Joshua in that. Uh, I, will, I, I, I will. I will not initiate, mm -hmm. but culturally, I recognize that. They're not going to understand if you're right. shy. And away. so, I'm, well, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not going to recoil and like, wear a mask. But, yeah, it's, it's just, and, and, and there are those awkward moments where somebody, um, 
confuses. There's, you know, a couple people at um, another congregation here in town, you know, and one person, you know, that she wants to go and put a hug because that's just that's just what they do, right? And I just kind of stand there. You're a bitch. And there is sometimes there's that moment of awkwardness. Yes. But she's starting to catch on now. Yeah. Rick Spurlock actually turns his left shoulder away from them and puts his hand up. Yeah. So he's making it more of a defensive. <coughs> and he and I'm talking about it. It's pretty cool. I got a two gentlemen in the corner. We'll take stripes first. Stripes first. Stripes first. Great oh yeah, strikes. So that you know, that is that's definitely my action right now. But the you know, trying to like play the other side of it, you because the, of the way that he aligns hugging, touching with the actual act. Like you could almost hear the the person that has committed adultery saying, "Well, I didn't elicit. I, I didn't like initiate. Like she came on to me. Like what was I supposed to do? Right? So I mean, like." I, I'm not really sure if that justification holds water, even though, like, that is my own justification. Usually, I, I would do... your own justification when you commit adultery? Is that what <laughs> no, for... Oh, I'm sorry. Is that what you heard? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right. for, yes. for hugs and, and even handshakes, like Joshua was saying, especially in a business setting, you know, and, uh, yeah, so what, how would you respond to that? Why not well, let the awkwardness be? Once not as it. I'm not sure. It's a justification. I think more it's a. It's a practical way of trying to usher into into a change. I mean, you don't. You want to be. You know, like, like I said, over you want time, to be sensitive. They get it. but it's not like rationalizing. Well, that, you know, I didn't initiate, so it's okay. Right. No, I mean, it's still design. Things will change, but and usually they get the wrong idea. Yeah, they get, uh, no, I'm pretty much beating it. Got it. I interrupted you. I am so sorry. No, that's fine. The, the horse is dead. Yeah, it is. But nobody would have noticed. Wow, that was You said you were beating yeah. the dead horse. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Brock said, oh, sorry. Snowflake. So I jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. It's not going to start here. <laughs> I knew that was a snowman. Because it's the awkwardness 
that actually begins to teach them that we really do care, but that's not what we want to do. Yeah. Um, so if you start grinning at them like you want to go sleep with them, that <laughs> might not be the best thing. Oh, but I, mean, I, get, I get the fact that you're trying to replace yeah. the physical contact with emotional, charged, I, you know, care and concern. That's cool. That's cool. But again, I think if we if we tend to throw that left shoulder back, throw that hand out, it's it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, did anyone notice um, for those of us who were at the Chabad house when a rabbi that we all know was there spoke and afterwards people were leaving and it was you know mixed men and women and you know from first from when we first met him how just anti touch he was but then you could see that he had sort of come to a, a, a happy like, medium yeah a happy medium to where he wasn't like Standoffish. Standoffish or, or offensive, but at the same point, he definitely wasn't initiating, and it, I, I just, I, I thought that there was a good deal of, to learn from that. Yeah. Just not observing I, that. Yeah. I do think that at the Chabad house, he, he just assumes he's amongst his people. Sure. More so than he would be at Baptist church. Sure. Yes. Um, in reference to, uh, I do like the, the drop the left shoulder thing. I have to remember that one. That's the hardest part. Is whenever you're, you, you see someone coming in, you've got to you've got to move really quickly. You have to preempt because if they get within about 18 inches of you, they're going into the hub. And so you've got to like really quick throw throw that hand up. To, to Taylor's point, um, Judaism does argue that you should never touch women. However, I did find, even in Orthodox, I'm pretty sure with Orthodox settings, there were exceptions for handshakes to avoid... Awkward. Uh, well, not awkwardness, to avoid offending, yeah. offending yeah. Awkward moments with people that are socially... Uh, especially in light of like modern business transactions yeah. and different things like that. So it's like there was... So I do think that like the handshake is pretty safe. Um, and then... Because uh, I, I do also feel that like... You want to try it, however you do it, whether you want to teach a lesson or not, you always want to make sure that they walk away thinking that that was cool and not going, man, what a jerk. Because I have known people who have interacted with persons who were particularly careful about this issue that walked away going, what a jerk. And that's never a good testimony. So you want to make sure, like whether it's with a smile or whether it's because you preempted it or however you want to do it, that it's conveyed, even if you explain, even if you're trying to say, Oh, I'm so sorry, that was awkward, you know. But you want to do it in a way that they walk away going, okay, whatever. Okay, so we move from, we go on touch? Yeah. Well, we're good. No. Well, we need to say something? No, we need to say something. I thought you were going to talk about Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Can you pick somebody there? Just, just go. Just go. I, yeah, so my, uh, what do you got? Oh, I, I was just going to mention that, uh, all these things that I mentioned about his for uh, forbidden woman, so also that also applies to a woman who's a Nina. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna um, listen to the book, then you should also listen to that. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, I think we have trouble with that in we, general. We, 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 
actually we does include you and me, but I meant we as a community. Um, I don't think uh -huh. that... We should be the one in my well, I was thinking well, A on their court. No, uh, no I was thinking that star of David on one of their taxes. No, no, it's only applies to your own wife. Yeah. Because if you're doing all this anyway, you know the other woman will be touching anyway. Right. So, our own wives, that should be the case. True. How many of you are practicing that now? Or not touching? Not touching during the death. Practice I do. I do. Hey, you're working on it. You're working on it. Oh. Uh, but I do. I do subscribe to the whole bed thing, which I think. To that? No, no, no. Oh. The whole bed thing that. How, how do you not touch that? Well, we don't touch. I'll just leave that up here. Well, it's the whole couch thing. I mean, it says in the scripture that you know you, you can't sit on the same couch. Mm -hmm. So the Orthodox, as I understand, would not be in the same bed. They have right. Two beds. They have two beds. Yeah. But there has been exceptions uh. for some post scheme, and I like those guys. In this particular case, <laughs> but good, good. We thank you, stripes. Uh, just because the example used to promote how he is able to lump together the the thought, the seeing, the touch, the kiss, the hug, all of that was with the Nazarite. Right. You know? so I that right before you got here. Oh, okay. And I was just going to say because it sounds like we're sort of really not taking his stance on this particular issue, which is like super far in terms of not touching. And we're saying like, well, handshakes are okay, and we're kind of saying like, if you can't avoid it, like, try to create an awkward situation, but if you can't avoid it, oh well, instead of like, repent, like, immediately, because this is, so, just, just for clarification. Depends on whose person you're talking to. This when, uh, when Alan and I went to Israel, we went to, uh, is it Samuel's grave, which is on like a hill, it's like a, a building, and you guys to go up on the roof and see for miles on end. And uh, to get there, you kind of have to go over a little bit of a ravine, and they've got this like bridge thing set up. And uh, before you get onto the bridge, there's you know some little uh, shops and whatnot that are available, including the bathrooms and so forth. And uh, I actually was uh, escorting a woman from the building. I was escorting her down the bridge so she could use the ladies' room. And I didn't want her to go by herself. It's a big Arab site. It was scary. Um, and as we were coming down the bridge, the little skinny rickety bridge thing, an Orthodox man was coming up the bridge. And as he came around the corner, he did this, mm -hmm. and walked past to, you? to uh, her. Okay. Well, we were together, Taylor, but I'm assuming it was for her, not for me. Not I was wearing my pants that day. All the elbows were not covered. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the story. So, so, so he had to. You didn't have your kilt. So, I thought that was interesting from a site perspective, um, but I, I don't think I would have a problem if if you would uh, um, you know, just cross your hands if, if somebody were to start leaning in for the hug or, or put their hand out for the for the handshake. I mean, if, if that's your your practice, I would have a problem. But and 
I mean, so for example, you know, our little event yesterday. Yeah. There was a lot of people who came up, reception, well, you know, yeah. Um, I I do not consider that sin. So I I I, I, I mean, you guys may have to agree, but I don't consider that sin, right? I, again, it's not something that I would normally initiate, but you know, it's totally innocent. It's totally cultural. It, you know, and it just is what it is, right? And I'm not going to. Um, you know, I don't feel the need to repent because someone who I happen to actually probably love quite a bit as a friend, right, uh, comes up and hugs me or, you know, or uh, some man, you know, comes up and, you know, puts his arm around Gabby and, you know, congratulations. I mean, it's it, a lot of it's, it's just totally different, just totally a different thing, right? But to your point, um, I don't think you expect me to go up and give your wife a big old hug. Right. Front on. I mean, you don't expect me to do that. And I I would hope that everybody in this room is on that same sheet of music. Right. You know, I don't have any problem sticking my hand out and blessing her and saying, you know, wow, awesomeness, great ceremony, and the Lord was lifted up. We yeah. don't need to go beyond that. I can't recall now the last time I had a woman at the altar. Because this whole group is they all know. in the culture. They, they get that. Right. Exactly. So um, I think that's, uh, to your point, I'm not as concerned right now in, in my walk with those who are initiating with me. But I'm not going to go out of my way to initiate with a woman at all. Um, but I will tell you, uh, the conviction that I had uh, as I read this week. And that is, um, and my wife and I have talked about this, um, but when I'm, when I'm talking, I'll often hold the back of, of the person's arm. I do this a lot. I mean, it's just a regular thing. I don't know where I got it, but, you know, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm grabbing the back of their arm or, or put my hand on their shoulder, and I do it with women. And my wife brought it to my attention. So, I'm working on it. Because I don't want to do that. Good man. That's good. 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 You can't touch another woman, period. Right. The Nita woman that you need to be worried about not saying what is your wife. So your wife has an obligation to share with you that she's in the What about like a Nita woman who goes to the market? She would not do that. You don't touch something about passing. Right, you don't pass. You're not allowed to put money on the Our culture is so far beyond. But there was no outwardly like market. Like there was no. I don't know. I've heard stories that there were some colored clothes, clothes possibly, but I, I, don't, I don't know for certain if that's true or not. But the point is, either way, it wouldn't have mattered. 
Because that's the whole reason why they had all the, well, not the only reason. You just assume that they all see that. Well, right. that, well, well, that well so, so, the halakha, even today, is if the, if the girl is um, bat mitzvah mm. and unmarried, by definition she's nidah. Which means she's she, always, because she has a cycle, but she does not mikvah. So by definition, she, she is a yeah. Right. And now it is. If, I, obviously, if the woman is married, then she may or may not be nida, but she's, she's, she's married. She's married. <laughs> so now she's been so, broken all the time. Yeah, so, so that's forbidden for a different reason, right? Um, so, yeah, but every, and, and that's the reason why for, you know, of course we don't have many left in this community, and there's, you know, a couple of single people still, and a couple of young single men, but that's why as, as a single men, you cannot be interacting with unmarried women because even if it's, even if there's no, you know, even if it's innocent per se, because they are enough by definition. And, and, and this goes to uh, my point that we should always be teaching about temple times. We don't have a temple, and that's why we even have any questions. But if we thought that we would not be able to go in for prayers because we have to go, you know, we, we're unclean now. And we've got to wait until tomorrow. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. We would recognize very quickly, oh, 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 oh. And, we if, don't you, and if you do go in unclean, knowingly. Yeah. 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 So, you know, with it, if we don't teach our children about the temple and about the sacrificial system and about the protocol of drawing near, then we are doing them great service because there's a motivation there that's beyond morality. Okay. Now, looking. That little finger thing is really an astonishing. Yeah, that was, that's, that was pretty That's astonishing. So, yeah. what are you talking oh, about? The little finger? Right. Looking at the man who looks finger. at a little finger yeah. of a married woman is like looking at her private private uh, private, uh, private, private that really proof text. Yeah. yeah. Or private what private parts. Private parts. Yeah, private parts in the Anyway, um I don't know if you guys know this, um, but my wife and I know Gabby as well, I don't know about your mom, but I would imagine so. Um, but primarily my wife has had to sit down and chat with young women who have come to Bellatora to visit because of their immodest dress. If you want to have a tough conversation with somebody, that's it. That's a tough conversation. Uh, so for the, uh, well, for the matriarchs... Men. Mm. About there. <laughs> that's a tough If you think about the matriarchs in our community, Gabby, Janet, and my wife, um, I'll tell you what, you need to pray for these ladies because it takes a whole bunch of chutzpah and courage. That's why they never come back. That's right. <laughs> you hussy! <laughs> <laughs>
that she would come into my home. Look at my damn you good soul hanging out. That's what we told Colby.
uh, in, in our day and age. I think that the key point is what are you going out, what are you looking for? Um, there's one thing of being surrounded by it and you'd have to leave this world to get away from that. But the other thing is, well, what do you want? Do you want that? Do you want to see that? And so if you don't want that, then you will avoid places that you don't have to be in order to minimize your exposure to it, because whether you want it or not, being exposed to it is having a passive, massive impact on you. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, is one of the key points to remember. Good counsel. Good counsel. Just on the, on the topic of modesty, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that now that the wombats um, are reading, you know, however often they're reading, once a month or whatever, that actually the wombats. Oh, the wombats, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Whoa! Is this a Muslim group? Some kind of pressure community got waxed off. amongst themselves and and develop a you know a, a, at least a the general consensus or some sort of standard for the community for, for them you know, for but I, without having to be imposed. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I'm and I believe that, that will happen. But yeah. quite frankly, um, when you look around our community, I'm flabbergasted at how well our young women do. I really, it, you know, you go to other places and other communities, and it's it's shocking. And so I, I think they're starting at a at a good place, and it can only get better. That's really neat. And uh, you know, the whole hair thing and covering the hair and all those things are just uh, are really neat. Anything else on uh, on looking there or not looking there? That's good. We good. We got enough. Okay. Everyone knows why a bride enters the chuppah. Does everybody know why a bride uh, don't enters the chuppah? Don't mention well, it. if we didn't, we know after this year. Right. But anyone who perverts his mouth and actually says it, even if the heavenly court had sealed for him a favorable decree of 70 years, which I know they did for Kobe, they will reverse it for him and replace it with a decree for evil. Oh, my goodness. This, I remember John Sexual innuendo type term that 
you know, teenagers say, that's totally it's fine. Like, yeah. And it's like, whoa, 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 how did this happen? Yeah, I was shocked that in front of my wife, a, 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 a young rabbi that we know that loves to come here, um, in front of my wife, in the kitchen, just, you know, said, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. <laughs> and I looked at him, and he told me, he wasn't blushing. It wasn't a problem. He, it's hell. What's what's the problem? Hell doesn't exist, right? It's a very Christianized thing to be afraid of those types of words. Yes, and to Joshua's point, it's so backwards in our culture that we'll we'll get upset with that. But some of the stuff that's out there that these kids are saying actually one of the somewhere. best sermons I've ever heard from an evangelical minister. It's eight thirty. Uh, was uh, Pastor Evie Hill of oh, Blessed, yeah, yeah. oh, Blessed Memory. Yes. And the title of the sermon was What in Hell Do You Want? <laughs> I think I've heard and that, that sermon is yeah. stuck in my mind <laughs> for yeah, I know. Yeah, you're probably doing damned if you do. <laughs> he's, 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 he was extraordinary. I heard Protest has Gehenna deep in for him. I had a question about that. 
Um, I used to struggle with that a lot. Uh, with you know, working in the restaurant industry, I was the don't say Jesus' name in vain policeman. Um, but <laughs> well, that's yeah, I guess so. But policeman. One of the not occupations. One of the things I was um, I stopped after a while because I. I thought to myself, I am trying to hold all of these people to a standard by which their heart is not there. So it's completely just an external imposition of my values onto this person in the moment, and there is no rationale behind it other than I don't like it. But I can tell you that it is my firm belief that we should be agents of righteousness in the workplace, and that profanity should go down to virtually zero when we're around. And it's not because we're, you know, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes or constantly um, downtrodden our, our employees or colleagues, but rather that they respect us enough to not use that in our, in our presence. And that's been my experience all throughout my corporate career, was they knew, you know, I didn't, I didn't ascribe to that kind of talk. And I would just walk away if, if they were talking. Yeah. I wouldn't correct them. I'd just say, boom. And eventually, when I showed up, oh, I heard the greatest script. Oh, Joe's here. I'll tell you later. And to me, that's amazingly honoring. And I always go out of my way to thank the person and say, you know, I really appreciate you doing that. That's really great. And I think God appreciates it, too. We should talk about that <laughs> And also, you should. And those shoes. <laughs> 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 All right. Anything else on uh, what, is, what does he call us? He's got a word he keeps using. What? Ervat de Bluer. So, I guess in like another practical application would be to to your point, Joshua. Like not necessarily looking out for profanity content in in any kind of like show or film, but actually like sexual dialogue as, as a well, major issue. There's a pretty um, rampant profane word that has everything to do with that. Right. Right? And you know what I'm It's okay. You know, it's a, your mind is virgin. That's good. Right with duck. But the point is um, that... Um, a million bucks? Yeah, <laughs> that one. Don't say that again. Um, the point, though, is that like uh, uh, the main thing about the issue that Greg's point is that he's arguing that the dirty jokes in the movie is more distracted than the fact that they used you know four-letter words that had nothing to do with sexuality. Exactly. But, but that four-letter word does. I can remember when I was a boy, and my uh, were walking somewhere, and he said. Uh, Damn something, rather. I can't remember what it was, but it was. I mean, I just stopped and I looked at him, and I said, "Damn it!" And he said, "What?" He said, "Damn is simply a contraction for condemn." So if God is going to damn something or someone, it simply means that He's going to condemn it. Don't you believe that He does that? Well, yeah. Never thought about that. And I used a similar phrase at the kitchen table. Mm. And I thought he was going to slap me across the face. Don't you talk like that, Oh. <laughs> 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 
I don't use God I do have an issue with that word mostly because of the curse-like element to it. You know, it's kind of like the phrase "go to hell." I mean, even even if even if there's no intent behind it, the language that you're expressing is asking for something really awful to happen. To but that has nothing to do with profanity. That has to do with the evil speech, frivol, frivolous, sarcastic, and, and yeah, unwholesome speech right. we had a chapter ago. But I'm just saying, yeah. Uh, hand up. So, Brock says, hand up. Snowflake! It's very offensive. <laughs> 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 no, um, what I thought was a shit. Well, that's no fury, but a man called a snoop. <laughs> <laughs> So I got Snowflake and Hell in the So I noticed, and I don't think he did this for any any of the other ones, but for this one, maybe he did, but I noticed it more with this one, that he specifically went out of his way to say, hey, if anyone was to say to you, like, try to help you rationalize this, mm-hmm. like, that's, that's really bad. Like, you should, really good. if they even try to make it logical at all, you should run away. Run away, yeah, that's good. I like that. I remember that, too. I was, I was thinking about when you were only 13, First half of Deuteronomy 13, right? If somebody goes up to you, even your brother, and wants to have you go in a way that you've not learned, yeah. Just, yeah. Kill them. Yeah. yeah, kill them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the javelin? Uh, let's see. Uh, yes, in 9:16, in explaining Hashem's displeasure with Israel, this verse did not mention any of the cardinal sins, neither the sin of idolatry, nor the sin of illicit relations, nor the sin of murder. Rather, it mentioned only the sins of flattery of wicked people evil speech, and lewd speech. Note that all of these are among the sins of the mouth, committed through mere speech. And yet on their account alone, the fearful decree was promulgated, my Lord shall not rejoice over their young men, and he shall not be their orphans and widows. Yikes, if not for you, for the sake of your children, we should probably um, have wholesome speech at all times. Okay. One final thought, um, before we get into improper thoughts, is that uh, I noticed that uh, in reading through some of the phrases here, as the author is uh, saying, uh, for example, uh, on page 197, having discussed improper speech, Ron Powell turns to the prohibition against improper thoughts. And I, I realized that I've always been saying the Ramkal or the Rambam or the Ramban, and it really that's not how they use it. It really is an acronym just for their name. So you wouldn't say the Ramkal says this, you say Ramkal says this. Right. So let's not sound too much like noobs. Maybe you guys knew that already, but I have the Joseph said. The Joseph said. Yeah. That's so funny. Mad the to every contact in my phone. The Colby Foster. <laughs>
Johnny on the spot to remind us of where, as does Greg, of where this lines up extraordinarily well with what the Master said. So, Sermon on the Mount, I, I put that in my post, Matthew 5, um, right? You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, you can only take that two ways, two or three ways, right? He's got his own set of laws, and it's done away with the Torah, which in the same chapter he says, don't even think that. Or that he's making the Torah tougher, which means he's changing the Torah, which really doesn't work. Or option C, maybe it has something to do with what we're about to learn. So we'll pick up with that next week. But again, he had a 10-page chapter that led in 10, that led to this chapter, which is 90 pages long. And then there's two pages in chapter 13. So if you can get through chapter 13, God bless you by next Tuesday. Um, that would be uh, that would be great. And we'll pick up with uh, with this, but I will try and coordinate with you exactly what it is that we're going to uh, discuss. Speaking of which, um, a show of hands, I've had a request from uh, some of the ladies that... Uh, we not meet on the eighth day of Hanukkah. No talk of that. We should probably meet on that day. Why would we not want to meet on that day? Somebody um, might want to spend the last night of Hanukkah with our wives. This yeah. is the most important day of the year. Hmm? Not right. sure. If we were yeah, going to get together, so if we were going to get together, maybe we could share that. What's so a, did you what want to teach? Did what a tzaddik can accomplish at the Nehi last service on Yom Kippur? Which is the last request, you know, right before we make the fast. Yeah. Like the closest you could possibly come from the gate to close. The ordinary man can accomplish on his own contract, which is amazing. Really? So, kind of want to come in. the party. Maybe we yes. should have a party here and invite the ladies. Maybe we should. And maybe you can uh, be prepared with a little. Uh, for okay. Maybe you can be prepared with a little drosh on that little zoke deal that you just went through. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. It'd be your first uh, drosh as a married man. Uh, wow. Mm-hmm. The first night of Hanukkah is the 16th, and I had, uh, at the request of uh, someone, considered for a small, short moment that we would not meet that Tuesday night. However, the man that's at the other end of that blue light, Mr. McDonald, will be here. I'd like him to have the privilege and opportunity to sit with us, as will Rob Banhoff. Really? Yeah. From uh, Torah Resource. Torah Resource, Resource Institute, right? Um, and his so son. he is, and his son, thank you, and his son. So um, we are going to meet. What brings son to town? Oh, what brings son to town? The Peachway. He's gone oh, there a couple times. Of and um, in addition to that, my brother will be here. And I don't know that he's had much opportunity to sit with godly men like you. So. Uh, Sounds like we're meeting on both of the Hanukkah nights, the first and the last. Um, we're looking forward to that married man's garage. That's great. Mm-hmm. You're not going to pull some kind of I'm married, I'm not going to eat here, are you? No, I should still be in, in town. On the 23rd. What is our estimate, uh, just from a timing calendar standpoint, what's the estimate of how many classes it will take to get here in the city of Not without talking about it, but yeah. 
Um, I think we're about halfway right now. 70, 71 classes. So, you know, we just have to So I'm thinking... We've only gone through three subjects. Yeah, but we are halfway through the book, so... Yeah. Oh, I don't know, two months, two, two and a half months, maybe. You know, and I think what it's going to come down to is, if we all agree and are on the same sheet of music with regard to something, we don't need to bandy it about unless we get a text or an email from somebody who's watching remotely and just doesn't get it. Anything? Uh, I don't think so. I don't no, know. I got a nice text from, from uh, David who said that this was the, uh, the best... Uh, Best uh, view he's ever had. Bill Lensmeyer said, We just listened to the book of Daniel. Daniel's example of how to work with, work with integrity is going back to the work issue. We have an example of where the bad folks are trying to find a fault with Daniel, and the only situation they could create was to make a law to force Daniel to break it. But, and we know how this scene ended. Yes, that's good. Speaking above reproach. Thank you, Bill. Everybody say hi to Bill. Hi, 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 hi. Bill is in Wisconsin, and his son is starting a goat farm. He's got, I think, somewhere about a dozen goats. Does he need workers? Seven to ten goats. He does need workers, but uh, you have to put yourself up there. Um, but evidently, he has goats. He's got plenty of goats. So. I've tried to get Bill to come down here a couple of times, but he got a lot of farm animals. So it's going to be good All right. Let's, uh, let's close up here with a quick prayer. I appreciate the uh, what do you got to do Maybe you I'm going to start that again. Just don't say hell. May it be your third time to try. May it be your will, Adonai, our God, that a mishap not come about through us. And may we not stumble in a matter of Torah and cause our colleagues to rejoice over us. And may we not say regarding something which is Tameh that it is Tahor, and not regarding something which is Tahor that it is Tameh. And may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of Torah, and we rejoice in them. Adonai grants wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding of God, unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. 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 God bless you, man. Thank you.